All right, I'm speaking a message today called Another in the Fire. Another in the Fire. Say it with me. Another in the Fire. Another in the Fire. Hey, I'm going to be speaking out of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I hope that you have um, come with expectancy. I, uh, I often think of McDonald's when I'm thinking about when I'm going to church. And uh, not because it's like a, a drive-through, but often we show up to church like we do uh, a drive-through at McDonald's. And we show up, we do the hard work of being here. And we just expect that we're going to receive what we've come to order. But the truth is, is if you show up to that drive-thru window and don't put the window down, you may have showed up, you may have ordered, put in your request, but unless you put that window down, you're not getting what you showed up for. My encouragement to you today is roll down the window. Anybody remember windows that rolled down like this? Roll down the, roll down the window. I can't even say that. You push down the window and allow God to do what he wants to do in your soul today. And so I'm going to jump all around the story of Daniel. It's found in Daniel chapter 3, and I'm going to be jumping all around it today. And I want to make sure that everybody has a bit of an overview before we go through it, because it's my expectation that some of you that are here today don't know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why is that my expectation? Because this is an inviting church. This is a place where we want to invite our friends, and they can have some idea of what's happening here. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the most concise format I can give you, and then I'm going to jump all through it, okay? My title for today is Another in the Fire. I encourage you to take notes. We all know that note takers get into heaven first. It's like a Disney fast pass lane. So you get to get on the ride, but note takers, they got their own thing going on. It's not true. If you're new, there's St. Peter's not up there. I'll be checking your notes. All right, and, uh, and I'm going to run you through the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Found in Daniel 3, I learned the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from a cucumber. A cucumber, a tomato, some veggie tails. Anybody love veggie tails? The bunny, the bunny. Oh, ah. Some of you are like, what? If you're unfamiliar with veggie tails, a lot of us here learn the Bible from a bunch of vegetables. Bob wasn't even a vegetable, which I still take. A little, he's a fruit, isn't it? Tomatoes a fruit? I don't know how they let him in. But anyway, and I learned this story, and the story essentially goes like this. There was a, there was a nation um, called Israel, and they went into captivity, into exile, under an empire called Babylon. The empire, uh, emperor of that empire was called King Nebuchadnezzar. The most ugly zucchini you've ever seen in your life. Stop with the VeggieTale references now. But anyway, they were under captivity, and, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar erects a statue. In fact, in Daniel chapter 3, it says that he erects a statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide on the plains of Dura. Now, here's the first thing that we need to just understand about pride in the world that we live in, is it will level everything around it so that it can be glorified. This is the, often the start of a fall of an individual, and that's where we get to at the end of the story. But basically, he says, hey, when you hear the music, when you hear all of the stuff, when you hear the excitement, you will bow down to this statue and you will worship it, and this is a form of control. Well, some of these Israelites and some of these uh, Jewish men and women that would have been in captivity during this time, they'd actually found themselves uh, uh, given promotions through the ranks, and they found themselves um, 
uh, in this position where they wanted to serve the true God, the, the God that they served, the God that they still trusted in, and they wanted to serve him. And so when everybody else bowed down to the statue, they stood standing. It says that the music started and everything started, and yet they stood standing. And all of a sudden, it says that they took issue, the king, the emperor, took issue with what was happening. He brought them in and he said, listen, if you guys do not burn down, I'm going to throw you in a blazing furnace. And they said, well, listen, even, you know, our God is able to save us. And even if he does not, we believe that, that our God will be with us. And so we're not going to bow down. Well, they don't bow down. King Nebuchadnezzar throws them into a furnace. They don't burn up. In fact, what we see is, um, is God himself make himself present with these men in their time of need. And what ends up happening is King Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, it's like just a little bipolar, takes them out and decides, you know what? This, these guys, their God is real. And in fact, if you don't serve their God now, I'm going to cut you into pieces. I'm going to topple your houses. And now we serve this God. I mean, he's just trying to figure his life out. And so that's the story. I want to bring us through it. And I want to bring us through it today because we're in this series called I'm Skirt. Is that it? Don't be scared. Well, I'm scared. <laughs> By the end of this, I will not be scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Anybody feel like coming through this series? Like, we've been in this for a while, but I'm still scared. <laughs> I had to look it up because I'm so not trendy. I had to look up. I'm like, does scared stand for something? Like, is it an acronym? And I like looked it up. I was trying to figure it out. I had to like send Andrew's uh, PA. I was like, what does this mean? Like, I want to make sure. But listen, I can teach you how to fear because it's something I've struggled with my whole life. Why don't we pray? And then I want to open this up for us. Jesus, I thank you for this moment and these moments that we share as a church. God, even though I'm here at Surf City, we're, we're really one church all across Ontario. And God, what you're doing in your church is beautiful. God, if we have this fear that somehow our, day, our best days are behind us as a church, I pray that you would remind us right now that we don't live in a post-Christian nation. We live in a pre-Christian nation, a nation that will serve you, a nation that will raise your name on high, a nation that will proclaim your praises again. And God, we start with us and we proclaim your name on high right now. And we ask that you would be a part of our time together right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, well, I am scared and I've been scared. <laughs> And uh, I remember one time, and this is like, this is just a fun story to get us started. I remember I was just starting to date my now wife, Emma. I've been with Emma for nearly half my life now. I met her when I was 16 years old. She was 15. We started dating, and I thought, I need to show her that I'm, I'm going to be the man of the house. I'm going to be a strong, tough man. She can rest her head on at night, on a strong, broad shoulders, and I'm going to take care of her. So I brought her to my hockey game. She was previously dating a football player, and I said, you know, as a hockey player, I'm going to show this woman that hockey players know how to protect their woman. And so I brought, her to my, I brought her to my hockey game, and no word of a lie, I have never been in a fight in my life, but a fight broke out. And I was the main aim, the main target of this fight. I remember lining up to this guy, he was a brute of a man, he was like seven and a half feet tall, I was a little boy, hadn't yet hit puberty, I was said, hey sir. How you doing? He looks down on me. He said, you want to fight? He said it more like this. He's like, you want to fight? And I'm like, no, I don't want to fight. And I remember being so scared in this moment, so full of fear. And yet I knew that I needed to prove myself to this girl that I just started dating. And so I'm like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, I'm like, like, you know, 
just, just scared, okay? I'm shaking in my skates and everything else. Before I knew it, this man turns to me. Now, I was at the time, the same height I am now, with 70 less pounds on me. I don't know where you take it from, but I was, I was 70 less pounds than I am right now. And I'm sitting there, so I don't even know if he can see me. I am that thin. And I'm just like, oh, no. And so he turns to me before I can do anything, grabs the cage off my helmet, just, just pulls it off. Almost like he was opening a door, just boop. And this is when I knew not only my life was over, but my wife would take a long time to recover to the fact that this man could ever protect me. And he just starts punching me, and I fall to the ground, and I literally assume the turtle position. I said, God, if you're real, may Emma be going out to the snack bar as I pray. And he's jumping on me. I don't remember my wife. My girlfriend at the time was so gracious, and I knew she was the one when I said, did you see what happened out there? And she said, no, babe. I, I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I got down on one knee and ordered a home security system for when we got married. Man, that's, that's a fun story. But, I mean, that's the position a lot of us are assuming in our spirits, isn't it? I mean, we're walking around cowering under the fear and the stuff that is going on around us. You see, I want to have the kind of faith that when I'm put up against the real powers of this world, the real principalities of darkness, I can stand in the face of it and say, my God is able to save me. And even if he does not, see, we have a pandemic of the mind happening right now. We've been talking about that pandemic, right, right, right? That's one thing, but a pandemic of a mind is another thing. Because right now, we have a whole bunch of things going on in our world right now. And really, it doesn't really matter because it could be a different flavor of the month. What's actually going on is the fear that we carry around with us week in and week out, day in and day out, even to the hour and the minute at times where we're not sure what's happening. And we need to ask God to, hey, I need you in this place in my life. So fear is foundational for so many of the actions that we take in this life. You see, in this time... The Israelites, they're in captivity. They're in exile in Babylon. If you haven't looked around recently, it's not like a really favorable time to call yourself a Christian. It's not like it was once, like, I, I hear my grandparents, like, one time, like, like, we used to pray in the schools. I'm like, that's great. But, like, we can't just keep looking back at the old times and say, well, God was really moving back then. We need to start having some vision for the future and what it looks like to have God included in our lives, not just prayer in schools, but prayer in our kids that are going to the schools. What if we started, stop being fearful of the world that we lived in, and we actually started walking around in freedom and saying, yeah, I might be in exile. This might not be my homeland. This might not be where God, like where I, where I think God wants our nation to be, but I'm going to walk with the Spirit of God in me, so when I face this stuff, I have something to offer, and not just something to complain about, not just something to talk about around the dinner table, not just something to be a scare, a scared of or afraid of, but actually, I, I want to have something deeper, a deeper resolve in inside of me. So we're walking through one thing. These guys, they were literally, they were literally in exile. They were in captivity. They were going through the thick of it. And in that moment, we see a great statement of faith. We see a lot of faith emerge from these men and say, you know what? No, we're going to put our hope in God in the midst of everything else. You notice that the men that were called, these Jewish men that were called by Nebuchadnezzar to bow down to the statue, 
that they were the leaders amongst the people. These were like the, like the select few that were promoted to positions of power. Now, here's what the enemy will always do. He will always try to take down positions of power so that he can take all those that trust in them. John Maxwell. Anybody know who John Maxwell is? This guy's been around forever. He's like, he's a great guy. But one of the things that I've learned from him and that I've really tried to apply in my life, he says, positional leadership is the lowest form of leadership. Influence is the highest form of leadership. So a lot of us walk around like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't need to worry. I'm not a leader. I don't know. And here's the thing. That's because you're like, I don't have a title. Well, here's the thing. People that have a title, that is the lowest rung on the ladder of leadership that to claim influence. Now, influence is another thing. Influence is something that we carry with us no matter who we are. You influence your neighbors, you influence your coworkers, you influence your kids, you influence your parents, you influence, influence is another thing. So everybody in this place can be, can somehow relate to the position that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in because we carry around a position of influence, a measure of influence with us that if we don't learn how to channel this properly when we're up against the grain in life and up against the things that are, are set to take us, if we don't learn how to operate in those moments, that won't just take us out, it will take the people that are relying on us and looking at us out because they might be looking at us and not looking beyond us to who we're trusting in. We need to understand that in, this, in these moments so we feel so afraid of what's going on. We need to have a response that is not just, not just willpower and grit and hustle and determination, which is a, a lot of buzzwords being thrown at us right now, but we actually need to have a response that is godly, that is centered in the spirit, that is enabling us to move forward with confidence and boldness because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And so these men, they say, no, we will not bow down to you the emperor. Okay, I want to talk through some, like, I'm going to be talking about fear here in the next little bit, and I'm going to be throwing a lot at you, but just because I got a lot to get through, but I didn't, I didn't feel led to cut any of it, so it's going to be coming quick. I want to talk about fear, and I want to talk about the positions we find ourselves, and I want to talk about this, this influence that we have, but I also want to talk about our internal worlds, our internal worlds and the way that they're formed and the way that God wants to impact them. I want to talk about our minds and the way that a lot of us are having a hard time. That idea, that pandemic of the mind, I want to talk through that because the way that we handle the things that are going on around us will, will impact the way that we lead our lives and the people around us. So one thing I find really interesting is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are called to King Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, some people ratted them out. They said, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. These are some of my favorite names in the whole world. My favorite names in the Bible. I love saying them when I'm bored and I'm on my phone walking through the mall. I'm like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, but, but if you've grown up in church, like these names flow off of your tongue. We know the stories. But you know, like these weren't their real names. <laughs> I call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these weren't their real names. Daniel 1 introduces them. You see, one of the things that we need to understand is that if we're not careful, we'll allow the labels that the world is putting on us 
to determine our realities in the midst of fear and exile that we sometimes find ourselves in. But we need to reclaim what God says about us because unless we reclaim what God says about us, we won't, be, we won't allow ourselves to live in the reality that God has called us to. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were given Babylonian names to, to, to in some way influence the way that they saw themselves and the context they found themselves. And so they were given these names and they meant things that were meant to confuse and were meant to, to suppress them. They were meant to, to press them down. It was meant to keep them under the oppressive powers that be. But here they are and they understand that, yes, these might be the names that you gave us, but our God gave us different names and those names will actually set us free. I want to encourage you to be careful of the labels that you take upon your own life. You will need to be careful of the labels that you take upon your soul. You see, Shadrach meant command a vacuum. Just one of the deities that existed during this time. Meshach meant who is as Aku is. Is there anything more confusing than the meaning of Meshach's name? It's a riddle. It's meant to confuse. It's meant to, to, to keep him in the place that he found himself. Abednego meant servant of the god Nebo. Imagine being handed a name that meant servant of a god you do not trust in. And yet that's what some of us are doing with the labels that we place on our lives right now. We put ourselves under the oppression of the labels that we take upon ourselves. Listen, you might have a diagnosis, a mental health diagnosis. I'll get into my story hopefully in just a moment. But you are not anxiousness. You are not depression. You are not stress. You are not anger. These are things that you might be struggling with, but do not cave under the pressure of what they're putting on you. You are not your label. You want to know their real names? Shadrach, command of Aku, his real name was Hananiah. Command of Aku, you are under the command of Aku. You know what Hananiah means? Our God is gracious. Meshach, who is as Aku is, confusing. His real name was Mishael. It simply means, who is like our God? Abednego, servant of the God Nebo. His real name was Azaria. God has helped me. Now that's a label we need to take on ourselves every day. You realize that Christianity is the only religion in the entire world. By the way, the only religions worth taking a look at are ancient world religions. Because if we know the beginning of a religion, we know it's not true. Right? But if you compare all major ancient religions, Christianity is the only religion that says our God came to pay a price for us. While other, other, uh, other religions say, hey, you must do something to appease the deity. Our God says, no, 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 no. There is nothing you can do to appease me. I will appease myself. I will pay a price myself. I will serve you. And out of that, draw you into me. My God has helped. Listen, we got to be careful the labels that we place on, upon ourselves because if we're going to rid ourselves of fear, we need to be careful the things that we're telling ourselves when we wake up in the day. Yes, you might have anxiety, but you are not anxiety. Yes, you might struggle with depression, but you are not depression. Yes, you might be out of work, but you, not, you are not unemployed. This is something that we need to claim over ourselves and understand that the only label that is fitting for a, a, a person that calls in the name of Jesus is a child of God. You are a child of God. And so these men knew this, and they knew their identity, and they could stand up in front of King Nebuchadnezzar and say, no, 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 that is not who we are. That statue is not our God. This context is not the context in which God is br going to bring me to, because I trust 
in the most high, in the most high God. So we've got to be, we have to understand that while, you know, there's all these things that would seek to determine and define us, that in the midst of the struggles and the fear and the stuff that we go through, that it's when we're under fire, when we're, when we're put up against the flames, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, here they are, they're put up against the flames. You don't do this, you're being thrown into this furnace. When we're, when we're under fire, when we're in the midst of the flames of this world, that's when we're under review by the world that's around us. So here's the thing, is that when things are going well, our neighbors and our friends or coworkers or family members who don't know Jesus don't care about our faith. Anybody can be excited in the midst of a birth announcement. <laughs> I receive this like, oh, we're about to have our fourth baby. You know, everybody's like, exciting. My neighbors aren't like, wow, their faith is just so amazing. No, 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 no. But through the pandemic, you better believe my neighbors are watching. Yeah, yeah, when I got that, that bad diagnosis, you better believe somebody's watching to see, does their God actually lead them through this? Or what is different about their faith that's going to lead them through this trial? See, it's easy when things are going well to be like, my God is good. He is gracious. God is merciful. I love him. Praise his name, Ohio. But what are you doing when things go to crap. <laughs> what are you doing when all of a sudden things blow up? What are you doing when all of a sudden you just feel like giving up? That is when people are watching. You see, God can do more through your pain than he can your promotion. These, men's were, these men were promoted long before this story came, but the story that lands in scriptures is the moment of their pain. Because it's in the moment of pain that resonates with the people around us that shows if they're able to follow God through that, then maybe there might just be something about the God that they serve. If they're able to walk through that with peace, if they're able to, to go through the fire with just a sense of, sense of peace in their spirits, then maybe there's just something real about this God that they serve. So you've got to be aware that fear is an opportunity. Diagnosis is an opportunity. Circumstance is an opportunity. For us to show the world who God really is inside of us. Because unless God moves from an idea into our spirits and reveals himself to us in an intimate way, we have no pulpit to preach our lives from. But the moment that we find ourselves in the pain of the things that are going on and we allow God to transform it, that is when people start to see who our God is. And so let's make sure that we walk through that. You know, when it comes to fear and mental health and these sorts of things, I, I just feel led to share that, you know, it's not a competition. It says King Nebuchadnezzar calls them in and he gives them one more chance. Listen, I'm going to give you one more chance. You bow down to this when the music starts, then we're good. And they don't do it. It says he gets so furious that he orders the flames of the furnace turned up seven times higher. Like, and I mean, here's an encouragement to you that if you've been really trying to, trying to push your way through this life, you've really been just trying to, trying to like do this well, and you've just been trying to like, and you've been muscling, and you're like, God, where are you? Sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. Sometimes in a moment of confidence, like, our God is able. And Kim Nebuchadnezzar is like, all right, turn it up. They're like, oh, what did we do? Keep believing in God. Keep trusting in God. He turns it up one level. Keep trusting in God. Two levels. Keep trusting in God. Are you going to be there three, four, five, six? When he turns it up seven, are you going to still be standing? Yes, if you're trusting in the presence of God. But let's not compare the things we're going through to the things that other people are going through. 
And for so often, what I hear when it comes to mental health is we're all actually just trying to like, like prove to other people that what we're going through is worse than what somebody else is going through. It's like whether you are just being thrown into the flames or you are being thrown into flames that are seven times hotter, you are being thrown through the flames. So let's stop comparing ourselves and our pain to the people around us and just allow God to use it to transform us all. We have to understand that this is a moment in time where people are struggling with so much in their minds and their spirits that we need to be united and understand that God is able in the midst of all of that. You know, often when it comes to mental health specifically and fear and the things that we go through mentally, you know, often I think that we can go, you know, well, God may be able to, you know, provide a job, but my, my depression's with me. It's here to stay. And it's because we don't see any, you know, specific examples in Scripture of God healing bipolar disorder or... or anxiety disorder or depression. And so we go, well, I mean, this is just different. And we carry on a certain level of doubt because it doesn't seem like people, you notice this, like a lot of people that get a diagnosis, they don't seem to get better. And, and there's a subconscious like thing that, that we carry around with us that, that it's just, we're just always, this is my thorn in my side maybe. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego they knew a little bit about that. Because here they are, and, and they utter these words. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Now that's a curious thing to say when, when, when you don't have any examples of God saving people from furnaces. Now, now I also, before I finish that thought, I also want to continue and say, he is able to save us from it. And you will rescue us from your hand, O king. And then listen to this. They said, but even if he is not. Come on, if you have an even if he does not attach to your faith, there is nothing that can stir you. And there is no threat against you that can topple you. But he's in that. They're in this moment. And they have no example to say this. I mean, this is bold faith. The truth is, you might not have an example in your life of God curing someone of depression. Or providing a job when you need a job or, 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 or healing that fear that lives so deeply within you. But I can tell you right now that while they didn't have a specific example, they did have examples of God's faithfulness and the principle of his character all throughout scripture. They would have been recalling times when God led them through the Red Sea. They would have been recalling times when he re released Joseph from his captors, not just once, but twice, and then allowed him to leave. They would have been thinking about when God toppled the walls of Jericho. And they would have been saying things like, well, if if he could do that, then surely he is able to move right here. And I want to tell you, Sir City, that you might not have an example of God moving in your situation, in your immediate circles, but our God is the God, same God today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and he can heal whatever you're going through. He is able, and even if he does not. Come on, God is able. And I want to share really quickly I want to share really quickly. I want to honor the time that Pastor Chantel and Andrew have given me. And I'm not closing my Bible because it needs to remain open. That's what we're, that's what we're drawing from here today. See, I remember for myself, I was only, I was only about eight or nine where, when, when I started to really struggle. And, uh, 
you know, I, I didn't really know what was happening at the time, but I had these thoughts come into my mind, and, and it was around 11, I started opening up to my dad about it, but I would go to bed almost every night, afraid that without my knowing, without my, my choosing, I would get up in the middle of my sleep, sleepwalk to the kitchen, grab an object, come back to my room that I shared with my brother, and, and, and do away with him. I mean, sensitive to people that are watching in living rooms with their kids and kids in the room. And I would fall asleep with this fear every night. And that would be a normal thought, but, but I believed I can control it. I was hearing from the enemy. <laughs> and the voice would pop into my head, hey, you know that fear that you have, it's going to happen tonight unless you do these, these, these items, these, these actions, these behaviors. If you can do that, then that won't happen. Deal or no deal. You know, my little brain, I'm 11 years old, and I go, no deal, no deal, no deal, no deal, no deal, no deal. You think about no deal long enough, something's going to pop in your head and go, deal. And so I would spend hours awake at night with a little nightlight trying to read 40 chapters of the Bible so that I wouldn't do something to my brother in my sleep. I remember being on the bench in hockey, <laughs> a big hockey guy. <laughs> it's two stories now. <laughs> I'm on the bench and I'm not, even what, I'm not even paying attention to the game because all I can see is like a movie screen in front of me of just heinous things happening to my mother and my sister and I can't get it out of my mind. And, and, it, and, and the voice is saying, hey, you got to hold your breath between the blue lines all game this game or else that stuff's going to happen to them. Deal or no deal. No deal, no deal, no deal. And coach is yelling at me, get out there, get out there. He's yelling and yelling, why aren't you getting it? And finally I snap out of it and I go deal and now I'm holding my breath the whole game. So that something doesn't happen to my mother and my sister. I remember during this time, my dad would come in and he'd put his hand on my head, big old mitt. And he'd put his hand on my head and I'd say, Dad, I'd scream out in the middle of the night, Dad, it's happening again. And he'd come in and he'd put his hand on my head and he'd say, Son, you are not alone. God is here. He loves you. You're okay, my son. And he put his hand on my head and, and he'd pray for me. And he'd pray for me in the spirit. And he'd repeat the name Jesus over and over again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And within seconds, I'd fall asleep. See, I didn't realize that at the time, but later on in life, I learned that I was actually struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder. It's not a cute little thing where you're like, I got OCD. I like to be clean. It's just my OCD talking. It's like, no, no, OCD is like something that overwhelms you. And I was a prisoner of my own mind and I didn't know what to do with it. And so moments would happen and all of a sudden there it goes again. No, 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 no. I don't want, no, I don't want it. That's not going to happen. No, 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 no. Deal. And he'd run into my room and he'd say, son, you are not alone. And he'd put his hand on. It wasn't until later in my life that I began to realize that are struggling so much because now I'm an adult. My dad's not just putting his hand on my head as I'm trying to fall asleep. And you know, wife would be like, Ted, what are you doing here? But I craved it so much. I craved that feeling of Jesus, 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 son, my son, you are not alone. 
And I began to realize, even in ministry for so long in my life, I had been struggling with my faith in God. God, am I really saved? That's where my obsessiveness went to. God, am I, how do I know that I'm really saved? And this whole time I began to realize it was the enemy's way of trying to keep me from just allowing, not my humanly father, not my, my, not my earthly father from putting his hand on my head and telling me everything was okay. It was keeping me from allowing my heavenly father to wrap me in his presence and tell me, you are not alone. See, in our deepest, darkest moment, no matter if it's this story or your story or any other story in the moment, things change when God shows up in the midst of our storm. Things change when God shows up in the midst of our fire. Things change when he shows up in the midst of the furnace and the emperors and the oppressors of the world look and they go, didn't we only throw three men in there? Who's the fourth one walking around with fire? He looks like an angel, a son of the gods. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So I want to suggest to you today that God wants to move in the fear of your life and the fear of your mind no matter what you're going through. See, it's not about being greedy and being like, I'm not going to allow any label. Yeah, that's important to define who I am. Yes, important, but that's not just it. It's not just about going through and yet I'm being an example to my friends and my family as I walk through this fire. It's not just about those things. It's about allowing God into the furnace of your life and that's when things actually begin to change and that's when you can walk back through the story and see where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego gained their strength. It wasn't just because they had hustle culture, grit culture, I'm going to bear and grin it and walk through it. No, because they had Jesus through the entire story. Why were they able to reject the label that was placed on their life? Jesus. Why were they able to act properly in the midst of their own fire? Jesus. Why were they able to move forward even in the midst of being thrown through it? Jesus. His name is Jesus. And there's another in the fire today. Do miracles still happen? Listen, we're getting reports from all over the world that they're happening bodies are being healed, the dead are being raised. I haven't seen that in Canada though. <laughs> At least the dead being raised part. And we go, well, maybe, maybe that was a thing for just the apostles. It's happening around the world right now. See, in Canada, we've developed enough infrastructure that we can take care of a lot of those things ourselves, can't we? You break your arm, just go to the hospital, get a cast on. And by the way, God gave us the wisdom to be able to create those things. You see in parts of the world where the dead are being raised and the sick are being healed, that is their last option. Sometimes it's their first response, but sometimes it is their last option. You know, one thing that we can't figure out in culture today is our minds and the things that are going on, no matter what we throw at this thing in North America, we can't figure it out. And I want to suggest today, in the midst of this series, we're talking about fear and the things that are going on, that God wants to do miracles of the mind. I just want to suggest that our God is still a miracle-working God. I want to suggest today that he is as interested in doing miracles in your life as he's ever been. I want to suggest today that God wants to show up in the midst of this place and actually heal something that you thought you might actually have to carry with you the rest of your life. I wanna to suggest today that you can invite him into your fire. And just as what happened in this story happened, which is that King Nebuchadnezzar goes from 
goes from wanting himself to be praised, his empire to be praised, his gods to be praised. It's because of God showing up in the fire that all of a sudden that entire empire started turning their face towards the God that these men served. I want to suggest today that it's through some of the transformation in the minds of the people here today that you will actually go and people will begin to worship your God because of what he's doing in your life and the way that you invited him into your life. So can we stand up all across this place? Do you mind if I pray for you? Listen, this is only one story, and I wish that you know, I had another half hour to unpack the nuances of what God is doing in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this. But the one thing that I want to make sure is clear is that God is able to show up in the midst of your fear. He is more than able to show up in the midst of your anxiety, your stress, your depression. It does not have to define you. It can be an example to the world around you, but it all starts with Jesus. So if you're in this place, every head bowed and eye closed and just going, hey, pastor, could you pray for me? Brandon, could you pray for me? If that's you today and just go, hey, I, I need prayer. I need you to help me. If you just raise a hand, nobody's looking around. Just say, I've been struggling far too long with this. I need to cast this away. I need to. I need to invite Jesus in. Hands up all around this room, online. Even if you're by yourself, just raise a hand, an outward symbol of what God's doing inwardly. If you have your hand raised, why don't, why don't we just, just start proclaiming the name of Jesus? There's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would come into this space, no matter where somebody's watching or whether or not they're in the room. God, I pray that you would come into this space and that you would make yourself known. That God, through the power of your spirit, that you would come into our innermost places, maybe the places that we have, we have closed off from you, maybe the things that we have, we have, um, We have failed to open up to you. And God, I pray right now that God, maybe for the first time ever, that we would allow the hand of the most living God, the the hand of our heavenly father to reach in and touch those places of ours that we, we are so afraid of dealing with. We are so afraid of opening up. We are so afraid of looking at. We are so afraid of paying attention to. And God, I pray right now in this moment that even during this message, some of the things that I was saying were triggering to us because of things that we've been through. That God, right now, that the enemy would have no more power of those moments in our life, that God, your Holy Spirit would rush in and your presence would fill us and that it wouldn't just fill what, the way that we feel, but there would be a cleansing of our minds taking place right now. That God, miracles of the mind would take place where we go, you know what? That is no longer my label. That is no longer my identity. That is, might be something I struggle with, but it is not who I am. God, I pray right now that your power, your presence, who you are would flood into us and release us from the grip that these things have on us. God, I pray that every night when we go, back, go, to, go, go to sleep and to rest our head and we have the temptation to flip on our phone or the TV to distract ourselves so that we could go to bed, God, I pray in those moments we would have the peace of Jesus Christ. Lord, may your spirit reign in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.